Coming up on Studios America, parents have finally decided to take back control over their kids' schooling. I'll speak to an expert on that. Your next home in California might come with a literal Mickey Mouse clause. That's just frightening. Uh, you can get 10 bucks off Blaze TV's subscription right now with the promo code STU at blazetv.com slash stew. Don't miss out on it. And what happens when progressive fantasies run wild? Oh, let's do the left's road to extremism. Stu does America. Gather around, boys and girls. It's story time. I'm going to tell you a wonderful story about an up-and-coming activist. A man you need to get to know. This guy's a promising young figure on the left and someone you might be hearing from for quite a while. His name is Quintez Brown, and I think you'll like Quintez quite a bit. He's a very upstanding young individual who's out there fighting for people's rights. And I know that's important to you. It's important to me. Sure is. Mm -hmm. Quintez Brown has been highlighted by sources all over the left as an up and coming star in the movement. And that's kind of cool, right? You're a young guy. You're up and coming. People are are, are putting praise on you like crazy. For example, uh, this is from the Daily Beast. Brown's affiliation with Black Lives Matter and social justice issues led to him being featured on MSNBC in 2018, where he spoke about wanting common sense gun reform. He was also featured by the Obama Foundation as a rising face and participated in the former president's My Brother's Keeper program, becoming one of just 22 students nationwide invited to the inaugural gathering of the My Brother's Keepers Alliance. And that's pretty freaking cool. Here he is, Quintez Brown, on Obama's website. Quintez Brown, Louisville, Kentucky. I, I better my community for the boys that just look like me. I, God, I hate when they say stuff like that. Anybody on the left, I hate that. What does it matter what you look like? This is a... Uh, I better my community for the boys that look just like me by changing the narrative around violence, masculinity, and professionalism. I refuse to succumb to the stereotypes that too often imprison us to a single story. Instead, I show young men of color uh, that we can be whoever we want to be. What an inspiring message. He's helping people of color understand that they should really care about people who look like them. And what could be a better message than that? I can't think of one. Can anyone think of a bad application of just thinking about people that look like you? Has, there, has it ever happened in history? I can't think of one, one example of it. So we'll just move on. Uh, here is Quintez Brown back in 2018 on MSNBC with the one, the only, the left-wing illuminary, yes, Joy Reid. You're from the home state of the Senate Majority Leader. What do you want? To, what do you want him to know? Well, I want you to know that you know we are here, and we want we want common sense gun reform. And if you're not going to give us that, then we're going to get everyone out here to vote, and we're going to vote you out of office. So if you want uh -oh. to keep your job, yeah. then you know give us what we not what we want, but what we need, what humans need. We need yeah. common sense gun reform. Get rid of assault rifles. Come on, like. Yeah. When are you guys going to turn 18? I turn 18 September 25th. Oh, I'm you're already in time registered. To, and already registered. Already what about you? 29, so we're registered. And <laughs> you guys are making the connection that you believe that this is about being in the voting booth. Definitely. Exactly. Uh, Emma Gonzalez, she already put an emphasis on it, like, because we do have some very inflexible congressmen, so maybe we won't get gun reform, like, the next day, but nonviolent direct action takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. Yeah. So what, one thing that we can do is get people out here voting, because even if we don't get gun reform, 
reform, we're going to vote the people in office out. And yeah. we're going to vote people who want gun reform, who care about us. We're yeah. going to put them in office. What an inspiring message. He wants to make sure those gun laws are reformed. And he's, he's so well-spoken, intelligent. He's out there in front of the nation on MSNBC or the five people who watch MSNBC talking to Joy Reid. What is the effect of some up and coming uh, activist just to be on national television to get all that attention and talk to Joy Reid? It's probably incredible, right? I mean, it wasn't just Joy Reid, too. We talked to, uh, he, here he is uh, pictured with Charles Booker, a Democratic uh, Senate candidate. That's pretty uh, inspiring. Now, all of this goes on and he's rising through the ranks, our Quintez Brown. Uh, he's rising through the ranks of the left and people are getting to know him and know his name. And then some kind of scary stuff happens. I don't know exactly the whole story here. No one really does. But uh, Charles Booker, the same guy you just saw pictured with Quintez Brown, tweeted this a while ago. He said, this brilliant young scholar is Quintez Brown. Some of you may remember him speaking at my launch for the U.S. Senate. Wow, what an important big job. One of 22 people who hung out with Barack Obama in that uh, Brothers Keeper program, one of 22. And he has been missing for several days. He was last seen in the Algonquin Park pool in Louisville. If you have any info, please contact his family. So there was some scary stuff going on as he seemed to disappear for uh, a significant amount of time. Luckily, uh, Quintez Brown was found and found safe. Uh, He was found safe, police say. Uh, This is uh, back uh, just about a year or two ago. Um, And... What was noticed by some was that things were starting to get a little strange. Here's Quintez Brown. I mean, think about this. Barack Obama, the president of the United States, an inspirational figure to us all, looked around the country and just tried to, to look for 22 individuals. Just 22, that's all. And one of them was Quintez Brown. And now he's kind of just missing. And luckily he was found safe. But things are... I don't know. It's it's changing a little bit from the back in the day when he was going on MSNBC and hanging out with senators. Daily Beast writes, Brown's more recent social media posts, particularly the accounts associated with the campaign for the seat of the Louisville Metro Council, show an increasing interest in black nationalist and pan-Africanist leaders. He frequently posted photos and quotes of the Black Panthers, Stokely Carmichael, George Jackson, and the late Ghanaian president, Kwame Nkumra. Now, that is, by the way, I should point this out, full disclosure, my favorite Nkumra from the Nkumra family. That's Kwame. I mean, I, the other Nkumras are wonderful, but Kwame is my favorite, and I want you to know that up front so you know my bias. Um, this stuff kept happening, kept increasing with our friend Quintez Brown. Started saying crazier and crazier things, going more and more extreme. And it's an interesting path he was on. He wrote this, a revolutionary love letter on Medium. And it's quite the piece. This is uh, just a couple of months ago, January 10th, 2022. He wrote, by expecting someone else to take full responsibility for our liberation... These reactionary so-called black leaders are committing an act of political suicide. The revolutionary consciousness of the masses must understand that the struggle against the negative forces of genocide and fascism will not end at the ballot box of the ruling class. 
Attempting to get one of the two major parties has caused our leaders to become co-opted with their interests shunted to the background. They have become expendable. So you have this young kid brought up, goes through the Obama um, uh, program to highlight the most promising young black youth from around the country. Joy Reid is dragging him on TV to talk about wonderful gun control. Uh, senators are featuring them at their launch parties. This kid is a big deal. And then he starts turning down a dark road. He disappears for a little while. He starts making more and more outrageous and fringy types of statements. Then he writes pieces about pan-Africanist leaders. Uh, he winds up uh, saying things about revolution and how the ballot box isn't enough. And it starts to get a little disturbing. Then, seemingly out of nowhere, who could have seen it coming? We have an update in the story of Quintez Brown. And it's not the update you were hoping for. No, he was not on Joy Reid's show again. This time, he was charged with attempted murder. Not just any attempted murder. Uh, the Daily Beast writes how a black activist went from a rising star to charge with attempted murder. How did that happen? I can't figure it out. Brown, 21, facing several charges, including attempted murder, after allegedly bursting into the Louisville mayoral candidate Greg, Craig Greenberg's office on Monday and opening fire with a 9mm Glock handgun. He tried to assassinate the mayoral candidate. To give you some of the background here, when, uh, when we, this, is, this is someone who is in, uh, inside uh, uh, of the uh, Greenberg um, office. He says, when we greeted him, he pulled out a gun, aimed directly at me, that's Greenberg, and began shooting. The individual closest to the door managed to bravely get the door closed, which we barricaded, and the shooter fled the scene. Police say Brown was found less than a half mile from the campaign headquarters within 10 minutes. The arrest report states, police found a loaded 9mm magazine inside his pants pocket and a handgun, handgun case, and additional magazines inside a drawstring bag. What about that common sense gun control. Hmm. Almost like the left doesn't seem to live their principles. Hmm. While police have still not identified a motive for the shooting, Louisville Metro Police Chief, uh, Chief uh, Erica Shields did note that cops were looking at all angles for answers. Mr. Greenberg is Jewish, so there's that. It's a quote. Mr. Greenberg is Jewish, so there's that. We don't know if it's tied to the candidates or it's political or if we're dealing with someone with mental issues or is venomous. Maybe it's all of the things. This is a guy who seemed to embrace stunningly out of nowhere after being drawn into the mainstream democratic uh, movement, started embracing things like black Israelite theology and and uh, all sorts of wild things, even inviting his people to join a militia to fight for those values. Brown's defense lawyer, Rob Eggert, insisted to a judge on Tuesday that his client's clean criminal record and strong ties to the community. Did I mention he was uh, named by Barack Obama as one of the 22 top most promising youths in America? Anyway, his clean criminal record and strong ties to the community should be a case for his release despite the violent 
allegations, noting that Brown has a history of mental health issues. Hmm. And he plans to have him evaluated. Eggert also pointed to the fact that the defendant is still a senior in college. And I mean, come on, if you haven't graduated college yet, you're going to prison for murder? That's unfair. You should at least have to graduate uh, you know, a university before you're put in jail for attempted murder. Well, shockingly, stunningly, in an amazing turn of events, the fact that Democrats have been able to put all sorts of crazy defund the police uh, people all over the justice system wound up working out quite well for our Quintez Brown. He was charged with shooting a mayoral candidate. Yes, sure. But he left jail after a local nonprofit posted bond. Hmm, that local nonprofit. How interesting. A local nonprofit stepping up. Was it uh, the Salvation Army? The Rotary Club? No, it was not. Organizers with the Louisville Community Bail Fund said, with Brown's mental health in mind, it's imperative that he gets out of jail to address his mental issues. This would alter anybody else's mind. This has nothing to do with just him. This has to do with the overall system in place, Chanel Helm, an organizer with Black Lives Matter Louisville, said. Held out by Black Lives Matter. What I'm concerned about specifically for Quintez is that he absolutely has the resources that he needs and has a bulk of support waiting on him to gather these resources and people standing by in the wing to take him. The Louisville Community Bail Fund collects donations to combat the financial barriers for people who find themselves against the criminal justice system. What an amazing thing to find yourself in. You're against the criminal justice system. I guess they're just cracking down on this poor attempted murderer. Hmm. Its website says cash bail is one of the aspects of criminal justice system that keeps communities wrapped up in systemic slavery and in debt. The need to end cash bail is not new. So you have a promising youth who goes through the system, talks to Joy Reid on the TV, suddenly, shockingly, starts to become a little more radicalized, goes down the road to the point where they almost sign up for a militia for black Israelite theology, and then wind up shooting a Jew who's running for mayor. Hmm. Then they're bailed out by Black Lives Matter. What a, what a whirlwind of events. I tell you, man, these stories, they just come out of nowhere. Hmm. You know, this is totally unrelated. I want to, that story's now ended. I'd like to move on to the next thought I have, which is this. When you tell people that everyone around you is racist, When you tell people that the color of their skin is the most important thing about them, when you tell people that blacks are constantly being systematically uh, discriminated against in every setting, that everything that is going wrong in their lives is the fault of someone else who just doesn't like the pigment of their skin. When you tell people over and over again that cops 
are constantly, in a bloodthirsty fashion, lusting to kill black people constantly, every single day. You think, say their name over and over and over again. And you tell them that this is a constant thing instead of a uh, quite a rare thing. When you throw in a dash, just a dash, of the Jews are responsible for all evil, you get a recipe that ends up hmm, producing some pretty, uh, pr some pretty scary things. When you do all of those things to an entire community over and over and over again, and you use them over and over and over again to grow your own power, it's almost as if some really nasty things could come out of that formula. So if you're doing those things that I just discussed, maybe, I don't know, stop doing those things. This winter, you can update uh, and upgrade your daily routine with a bespoke post and, of course, their new seasonal lineup of must-have Box of Awesome collections. There's a lot of crazy things going on in the world right now. Why not make yourself a little happy? A little retail therapy, if you would. Box of Awesome has you covered from winter cocktails to cozy threads, camping gear essentials, all the stuff. Box of Awesome has great collections for every part of your life. No matter what you love, they've got something for you. To get started, you can take the quiz at boxofawesome.com. Your answers will help them pick the, pick the right box of awesome for you. This is a great, great gift for somebody uh, that you like. I mean, if you don't like them, yeah, send them like a candle or something. But if you like them, send them a box of awesome. They release new boxes every single month across a ton of different categories. It's free to sign up, and you can skip a month or cancel any time. Each box of awesome costs only 45 bucks, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. And always, everyone I've ever seen has way more than $70 worth of gear inside. And with each box of awesome, you're supporting a small business. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome is from a small up-and-coming brand. It's really cool. Get 20% off your first First monthly box when you sign up at boxofawesome.com. Enter the code Stu at checkout. You get 20% off. Boxofawesome.com, 20% off if you use the code Stu. I want to bring in Noah Weinrich to the program. He's director of communications for Heritage Action for America. Noah, how's it going? Hey there, doing well, Stu. How are you? Uh, very well, very well. It's been a good, I feel like we're in a good period for some, for some things. There's some scary stuff going on as well. But I want to highlight something that I think is pretty impressive. In Texas, we've had a few of these stories where parents have stepped up and taken back control of their schools when they've gone kind of awry for whatever reason. I expect to see that occasionally in Texas. I don't expect to see it in San Francisco. Uh, can you tell us the story? It's really incredible. Absolutely. So um, on Tuesday night, there was a big school board recall election in San Francisco. Now, you've heard about this happening in Loudoun County, Virginia. You've heard about it happening in places like Texas. Uh, you know that suburban swing voters are fed up with critical race theory, with masking, with school closures. Um, but you haven't seen it happen on the left. But now we have in a liberal bastion of San Francisco. Uh, this is hardly Trump country. They voted to recall three of their school board members. And it wasn't close. It wasn't a 51-49 vote. 
uh, one of the members they voted to recall 79%. The other two were in the mid 70s. So three quarters of San Francisco parents who showed up to vote said, no way, said, uh, we are rejecting you. We want something new. We want our schools to be open. They've been closed in some of those places for two years. So, you know, eventually uh, reality seeps through the left and that's what we're seeing. This is no longer something confined to the Sunshine Belt. This is no longer confined to conservatives. This is happening all over the country. Parents are waking up and they're fighting back. That's, it's really, really encouraging to see this stuff happen. Uh, this, the issue in particular with San Francisco revolved around keeping schools closed for far too long. Of course, all the restrictions around COVID and also what they were doing when the schools were closed, which seemed to be prioritizing renaming a bunch of schools. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, they renamed Abraham Lincoln High School. Uh, they were not. So this was, you know, wokeness to its finest when you're rejecting Abraham Lincoln. They also spent some of their school board meetings um, debating whether or not a white gay man was diverse enough to be on a parental advisory council. After hours, hours of discussion and debating, they didn't even bring up the nomination. Uh, they didn't bring him in for hearings. They said, no, a white gay man is not diverse enough to be allowed on a parental advisory council. It is just crazy. It's wokeness to its finest. It is the left eating its own. Um, but it's nice to see that some sanity pierced through. Uh, parents rejected these school board meetings that were just wasting time, that were virtue signaling while keeping their schools closed. It's amazing. I mean, Abraham Lincoln, I, <laughs> who, would have, who would have believed it was possible? One of the things I, th I find kind of interesting here in watching this happen is... Uh, there's been a weird reaction to the whole COVID situation from the beginning, I think, from, and it surprised me, it surprised a lot of Americans, I think, where you thought we wouldn't stand for a lot of the stuff that has occurred over the past couple of years. And there's been a, kind of a surprising adherence to some of these crazy policies around the country, particularly in certain areas. It does seem, though, that America, left, right, and middle, has stepped up and said, you can do all this other stuff, we'll probably put up with it, but don't screw with our kids. And it feels like school boards across the country are learning that lesson. Absolutely. And, you know, that's, been, that's what's made me the most sad of all of this. You know, kids are the ones who are actually least at risk for COVID. For them, it is like the flu. You know, it's worse for older Americans. It's not really that bad for kids. And yet the kids were the ones that felt the full burden of this. You know, a lot of districts and cities kept bars open they opened their bars after four months. They kept schools closed for two years. Mm. You know, you saw celebrities getting to go to the Super Bowl, hanging out, taking selfies outside with their masks off. A couple miles over, kids were going to school wearing masks for eight hours, even while they were outside for recess. It's anti-science. It's anti-children. It's anti-family. Um, and so that's why, you know, uh, this craziness has to stop. And so I'm glad some parents are finally taking note. And we should point out there's never been an ounce of science that that advocated for anyone to wear uh, a, a mask outdoors, uh, especially children who, as you correctly point out, have you know, been, thank God, have been a very minimal threat throughout the last uh, couple of years. You guys, you know, work to organize. You work to get people to take action uh, to, to defend their rights all around the country. Is this, is this the front lines right now? I mean, is this what we're looking at where parents are saying, you know what, I'm not going to put up with this anymore. Uh, where can I go? Who can I talk to? Who can I speak in front of? What do I need to do to organize people around me to make sure this stuff doesn't happen in the future? 
Absolutely. You know, we've been saying that this is the year of the parent. Um, you know, the energy mm. around um, parents' rights around schools right now, it feels like the Tea Party days. There's tremendous grassroots energy. You know, groups are organizing on the local, state, national level. Uh, so all of those groups you should get involved in. Go to your school board meetings. Hold these people accountable. Um, Heritage Action has been providing resources to groups and parents around the country, how they can identify critical race theory in their schools, how they can get involved with their school boards, how they can fight for transparency and uncover some of this stuff. Um, and so we have a, a lot of resources available at saveourschools.com. Um, so you can go to saveourschools.com or heritageaction.com and just find out more about like, what your rights are as a parent, yeah. um, how to issue a Freedom of Information Act request to uncover what your school district is doing. Um, yeah, one page is to get the facts you need to defend yourself and defend your children. Mm, <laughs> oh yeah, how to file your own FOIA. Uh, that, that's, a, that's, that's gonna be very interesting. I mean, it's important too. You see how much yeah. of this stuff has come out. A lot of it's come out just from leaks, right? Uh, you know, Chris Rufo, we've had him on the show before. He's done a, he's done a, a bunch of work in this area. Uh, James Lindsay as well. People who are looking at this stuff, finding a lot of these crazy examples. And I feel like the left has decided they've got power. They can do what they want. They're going as far as they can. And it's really turning into this thing that is not just um, offensive to an ideological conservative or a libertarian, but is going to a point where it's now offensive to even the left. I mean, your kid uh, has to change in a locker room. Your daughter is changing in the locker room with, uh, with a guy. Uh, you know, your, uh, you, you know, Skin color is the most important thing about you. These are fundamental things that I think any parent, left, right, or middle, is going to just is going to pull back from. And I think it's sending a real message to uh, to people across the country. You go down these roads, and the same thing that is going to happen to you that happened in Virginia with their with their gubernatorial election. Yeah, exactly. You know, two years ago, the left started a series of basically social experiments. They, uh, they figured it, they got this idea into their head that they should close down schools, they should issue you know, mask and vaccine mandates, they should defund the police, um, they should spend trillions of dollars, and now you're seeing the effects. And you're seeing even some on the left say, whoa, this, this has gone too far. Let's, uh, let's stop defunding the police, let's roll back the mandates, let's open the schools. Um, it's pretty surprising to see that they've so quickly swung back from these radical positions I think they learned something from Governor Yunkin's win, and I think that they see the midterms coming up, uh, and they realize how uh, how many voters are paying attention to what's going on. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing dozens and dozens of Democrats in office retiring rather than face re-election uh, in this climate, and a lot of that I think has to just do with, you know, look, there's a lot of people out there who don't mind a bunch of spending that you and I probably find offensive. You know, there's a lot of people out there who, you know, want taxes to be higher than I'd like them to be. But these you're screwing with people's families here. You're you're taking their livelihoods away. You're closing their small businesses. You are going after the very fabric of their relationship with their children, what they're being taught, how they're going to live their lives. And, and this is, I just think, a step too far. And I think it's really encouraging to see this happen in places like San Francisco. I was out in L.A. this past weekend, and you saw there that people were pushing back against mask mandates and, and all of these restrictions that a year ago were only offensive to people like us. No, I mean, this, this is, we've gone, come a, a long way in a short amount of time. 
Yeah, that's right. We've gone mainstream. Um, <laughs> We're now cool. Uh, kind yeah, of. exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've caught up. But I think that's exactly right. You know, um, economic policy, regulatory policy is all tremendously important and has serious effects. But those are hard to see day to day for the average person. You know, that that takes years or decades to take effect. Um, whereas this, it affects people immediately. You know, a mask mandate, a vaccine mandate, a closure that hits you instantaneously. It hits you um, in the pocketbook. It makes your day to day life harder. You can see and feel your freedom being snatched away from you. It, it hasn't been a slow process. These things happened over the course of days, not years. Um, and people really felt, maybe for the first time, the impact that government overreach can have on your life. Uh, when you, when the left-wing bureaucrats take control, um, then people started to really feel what could happen. Um, and now they're really finally waking up to how terrible of a world that is. Yeah, I mean, I mean, no one wants to see these bad effects happen to people, but it is interesting to see the reaction when they get hit in the face with it. I mean, I think, you know, we, we were talking about spending. I think the spending to inflation, uh, uh, how obvious that is to people, how they're feeling it every day, really is having making people reassess whether maybe the next $1.9 trillion bill is necessary. Uh, you've seen that turnaround already, and I think we have, uh, we, there's a bright future here. If conservatives, activists, Republicans can come together and, and come up with something that isn't just uh, an idea to win an election. It's something bigger than that that's based on real principle and can be lasting. Um, so can, can you give us the information one more time, Noah, on where people can go to get these resources and get involved? Absolutely. So just go to saveourschools.com uh, to learn more about your rights as a parent, how to fight back, critical race theory of the works. Uh, saveourschools.com or go to heritageaction.com or text um, schools or CRT to 51776. 51776 schools or CRT. Noah, I appreciate it. Noah Weinrich, he's the director of communications for Heritage Action for America. Thanks so much for coming on and taking the time. Thanks so much for having me. And it doesn't seem possible. Uh, One year without Rush Limbaugh. Wow, that just seems weird to say. A year ago, Rush Limbaugh passed away. Uh, it's a year ago today. Uh, and uh, we have actually the golden EIB microphone. I uh, took a picture of it. You can check it out on uh, my uh, Twitter feed at Stu Does America or Instagram. Well, I don't know. It was posted all over the place. But that is it. The real EIB microphone from Rush Limbaugh. Uh, it is now here in Dallas so that, you know, it'll be in the Mercury Museum and you'll be able to see it if you come here for an event or a show or whatever. And that's one of the most important things to make sure that people can see it. A pretty powerful, one of, I mean, really, one of the most uh, incredible pieces of broadcasting history you're ever going to see. Uh, and it's right here. It's really, really cool. Glenn and I did one of our first national shows uh, in Rush's studio uh, to that microphone uh, many, many years ago. So not only is it, you know, Rush's and all the success, and that's the, that's kind of the big deal, but you know, for us personally, it was pretty cool too. Uh, I remember doing that show and just being like, I can't believe we're standing in this room looking at the, I mean, it was just incredible. Uh, Really, really cool piece of history. And it's, I mean, to tell you that Rush is sorely missed is is an incredible understatement. There's a cool uh, op-ed from from Fox News um, and talking about 
the five things to remember from uh, Russia's uh, show and, and how he handled the left. Let me just give these to you quickly. Are we doing these? Know your enemy. Russia's core mi- mission, besides attracting an immense audience so he could call, charge confiscatory advertising rates, of course, was to give his listeners an ideological understanding of our political opponents on the left. The left's handbook never, ever changes. One of the things uh, that has happened, I think, in politics recently in particular, is a sort of vilification of ideology. I've done this many times on this show. I think there should be a defense for an ideology. It's okay to have viewpoints that make sense together, that you're not just making up uh, from uh, every time you read a new story, uh, you're trying to figure out whether is this on our side or not? And if not, uh, you know, then I guess we oppose it. And if so, we, we support it regardless of the ideology behind it. Ideology is important. I don't mind saying that. Uh, it's, I think, a really important thing that at some level we've started to lose sight of uh, on the right. And I think we should remember it. It's really, really important. Reject the premise. Leftist, leftist accusations and attacks are based on unstated premises. You are the problem. Conservatives are the problem. America is the problem. Mm. Use your power is the next one. Number three, the left may appear invincible, but it exerts control based on a currency of deception, manipulation, and corrupt bargains. The power we have is unassailable and is built on invisible things. Truth, joy, common sense, humor, love, gratitude, and faith. These qualities answer to a higher authority, and the left has no counter them. Number four, have no fear. Leftists are bullies who are terrified of fearless, cheerful people who know they're right. Those who, like Rush, truly get, grasp the pathetic nature of leftism uh, exude confidence, even glee. Stay on offense. Be relentless. Because it has no moral foundation, the left's power is ephemeral. When fought, it will deflate like a souffle and come crashing down like the Berlin Wall. Follow Rush's model and laugh at them every day. One of the themes through all of those points was be cheerful. Glee. The word glee was used. Laugh. Humor. I think... And we try to do that here every day because, honestly, I just it's more of a self-preservation tactic. I can't just be angry and upset at everything all the time. I have to laugh at it. But I do think that there's a, little, there's a lot of places on the right right now that have kind of abandoned those things. We need to be the ones uh, who are winning these battles uh, because of our confidence and, 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 and our happiness and our joy and, and, and projecting that to others. And I hope... I know sometimes I miss the mark on that, but I hope that we are all trying to do that because people like people who are happy and funny and like life. People want to be with and like people who are who are that way. They don't want to be people. You know, this is the fetus truck argument. I'm, you know, as I've mentioned many, many times, I'm a uh, conservative uh, a nonviolent pro-life extremist. You know, that's me. I, it's kind of who I am. I'm a, I really believe in pro-life causes. And, uh, you know, I really do support them. I will say I don't want to drive a fetus truck around town, a truck with a fetus on the side to tell everybody, hey, look at this fetus. I don't think it really works. Uh, and uh, honestly, to save kids' lives, if I thought it did work, maybe I would do it. But the bottom line here is that what works with people is is, I don't know, being likable and and happy and fun and and enjoying life. And Rush was so good at that. Even if you couldn't stand him, you could still, the fair people on the left would still tune in and laugh at the show 
and enjoy the show and realize he was having fun doing it. And I think that's an important part of this. Uh, really, Rush is obviously the all-time legend when it comes to conservative talk radio. And there's only a few people. I mean, if you're thinking about the Mount Rushmore of talk radio, you know, you're going to put, you know, people like Rush on there. Maybe if you want to look at different genres, you might look at a Howard Stern type of guy, an Imus, you know, I'm not going to say Glenn because it'll get to his head. Uh, those types of names. And it's interesting now as we go on to the next era of, of talk, one of the names you'd have to probably throw in there is Joe Rogan, who never even did a radio show. He's just a podcast. Uh, and he is obviously the, you know, he's the biggest podcast uh, in America. Now it's only on Spotify. And you thought, wow, he got $100 million to go over to Spotify to do the show exclusively on Spotify. We now know, though, thanks to the New York Times today, that that was a lie. Uh, not true. We've been reporting that for a while. Uh, that was what was reported. That's what we thought was true. Uh, the number, actually, $200 million. Now you're in rush money level uh, area here. $200 million for three and a half years. But $50 million a year, basically, uh, for Joe Rogan to go over and do a show at Spotify. So when we were talking about the cancellation, $100 million is a big investment. You don't want to just flush that down the toilet. $200 million for only three and a half years. I mean, uh, what, how, what is he, halfway through that contract almost already? I mean, this is, this is really an incredible deal. Um, and uh, he is, so far, they're sticking by him. I still think there's a chance this thing escalates in some way. This story today in the New York Times, while it does uh, reveal that $200 million detail, the truth is it spends most of its time saying uh, how much disinformation he's putting out there, how people inside the company are complaining, how there's all sorts of pressures on the CEO, how it's hard, all these voices about all the racism and tra anti-trans. That's the new thing they're trying now on Rogan. They're still trying to get him pushed out. And as we've seen many times, a lot of these things and efforts are actually successful. So we'll keep watching that and uh, see if they push him out. But $200 million is a lot of money. I mean, you got to have a lot of cash sitting around. I guess when you can stream zillions and zillions of songs and pay artists like one one thousandth of a cent every time you stream them, maybe you have enough money to be able to pay Joe Rogan and not worry about all the pressures you're getting. We'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know. Aren't they, what are they, a Swedish company? Does, does the Swedish uh, nation have enough uh, belief in, in free speech? I hope they do. I'd like to see it. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Spotify Joe Rogan situation. Back in a second. By the way, did you know we are on Spotify? You can always get the podcast right there. And we do appreciate uh, when you subscribe uh, on Spotify and uh, check out the show. Thank you so much for doing so. Let me tell you about Built Bar. Built.com is the place to go to get Built Bar. They have tons of great flavors. This is a, like a protein bar. You get 18 grams of protein. You get a bunch of uh, you know uh, fiber and all the healthy things without the carbs, without the sugar, without the calories. 
they have great flavors like raspberry, coconut, mint, brownie, uh, cookies and cream, double chocolate, so many more. They have some wild ones too, like lemon dipped cheesecake, banana cream pie, come on. If you can't pick just one, get the mix box. You get uh, two of each of their nine original flavors, up to 18 grams of protein, 180 calories or less. You can take care of a sweet tooth and you can still be healthy. Go to built.com, use the promo code Stu15 to save 15% off your first order. The promo code is Stu15 for 15% off right now at built.com. You know, we were just talking about Joe Rogan and Spotify, and uh, I mentioned this a second ago, but I want to reiterate it. Um, we really appreciate when you when you subscribe and listen. On, I mean, Spotify right now, I think, is a cool thing to point people to, uh, mainly because, you know, we've been there, we've been on Spotify the whole time, and we've kind of just said, where am I, wherever you get your podcasts? Right now, Spotify is standing by Joe Rogan, and, uh, you know, I really hope that continues. I, it's really important to step up uh, when these uh, these platforms actually take the time and support free speech. I hope that doesn't change. You know, I, we've noticed the same thing recently with, um, with uh, uh, Substack is another one that is stepping up and saying, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna remove people. Um, iHeart is another company uh, that we work for on the radio side that has been really good when it comes to defending different opinions. And Spotify is taking, I, they're taking a massive risk here. Uh, you know, as I mentioned, there's $200 million on the line, but there's so much more. It's a massive company. It's a European company. It's a company that maybe doesn't have the connection to U.S. politics and understand the woke nonsense that's going on here. The fact that they're standing so far is something uh, that should encourage you. And I hope uh, it encourages me at least so far. It's a good sign, and when someone does something good, we should support them. So if you have a second, even if you normally listen on Apple Podcasts or whatever, go on over to Spotify. Subscribe to Joe Rogan as well, and, and hit over to um, maybe the Glenn Beck Radio program, and also, of course, Stu Does America, and listen to every episode for free on Spotify. We do appreciate uh, when you do that. Make sure to follow the show while you're there. Uh, it's a little community we're building here. This little show has become a kind of a fun community, and I do appreciate you guys taking the time uh, every day to tune in. Um, now, I can give you a different type of community if you want. Maybe you're a big fan of Disneyland, Disney World, and you want to maybe have that life, that small world, every single day. Well, now you can. Disney is going to build new residential communities uh, in uh, near uh, Palm Springs is going to be the first one. This is going to be an interesting thing. They're calling it story living, and we have a picture of what it looks like. Uh, I, I don't know. This kind of looks like a... It looks like a mall food court, maybe. Uh, do you want to live inside a mall food court? I bet you do. Uh, you know, Disney actually, from the very beginning, was focused on building communities. It was really more of his focus than a theme park at the beginning. They did a little town called Celebration in Orlando, and people would say, oh, this looks like, uh, come on, it's too clean. It's too, it's too much of a, you know, uh, it looks like a movie set. Yeah, I mean, I know I really like blood on my streets and garbage and homeless people, so I can understand why you're so opposed to that type of thing. I don't know that I would be into that. I feel like as long as they're not playing uh, It's a Small World on repeat, I could probably deal uh, with living in a Disney community, but I think for now I'll stay on my little street. You guys check that one out. Maybe I'll come visit once a year. We'll have a meal in your really nice Disney food court. Back in a second. Okay, so here's what happened. Michigan State Police are looking for your help. They're trying to find a thief. Someone's been stealing things across the state. And this particular theft happened sometime between November 18th and December 16th. And you might say, 
so kind of a wide window for a crime to be committed. Do they not know when this thing was stolen? Well, they don't know when it was stolen, but they do know what was stolen. A cabin. Like an, in, an entire cap. They stole a house. And this is not like home title fraud. They actually stole the entire house. There was a cabin, and now there's no cabin. They don't know where the hell it went. Somebody stole a house. So, hey, I mean, at least, uh, at least you're not that guy. <laughs>